When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Day, a final day of, of quarantine. We're going to fist bump that and thankfully back in studio tomorrow. We are loaded up. Plenty of thoughts on Trev Alberts, his appearance on the Husker Network last night. When it comes to job performance, security, momentum, and Coach Frost, we'll get there. We'll talk plenty of Husker football with Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity. Babbers in about 20 minutes or so. And then it is Wednesday. We'll head to Wilderness Ridge, catch up with Mike Schuhart, get Shuey's take on Purdue, Shuey's take on hoops, Shuey's take on golf. And in hour two, the pride of Ord is back at it with us. Uh, Andy Markowski, former Husker basketball standout. Uh, Andy will be with us, uh, get his take on the Big Red, his expectations for Nebraska basketball as the mayor and company get to be in front of a, well, a full PBA for the first time in forever. So the exhibition game tonight, Nebraska basketball on our mind, Husker volleyball, uh, arm wrestling with Wisconsin later tonight as well. And then Tom Deanhart uh, with Yahoo and Rivals, uh, Purdue insider, Big Ten insider, uh, Tom will be with us in our two emails, Chris at dot com. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal is uh, where we're at and pretty excited now uh, before practice. We are going to catch up now with the pirate himself, Mike Leach, some football, some candy and some spooky stories to get us rolling here on a Wednesday. It's Coach Leach. Coach, how we how we doing? It's been a while. Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, well, we're out here in down in Mississippi State trying to get a first down, and we've had good practices. We're an extremely young team, but um, we're a very enthusiastic team, and and you know we seem to be getting better. How uh, how daunting's the the SEC schedule been? It's obviously tough year two for you, your first non non COVID year, and. You've had a lot of wins, and you've had some some near misses, and you got Kentucky on deck. Well, we're two plays we're two plays from uh, from winning all of them, but Alabama. You know, I mean, um, two of those games we literally lost by one play, and I think if we were a, a more experienced team, we would have won them. But uh, uh, but now we've we've done some good things too. Of course, we beat A and M and beat. Uh, uh, you know, several uh, pretty good teams, and so then uh, Kentucky's a 
Kentucky this week. So we'll see. They've uh, um, they've been playing together pretty well. Then then that's the thing with them is they're they're one of the more experienced teams in our conference. So um, I like that. You know, I like our guys, like our youth, like our enthusiasm, like the what's ahead in the future. But uh, <laughs> it will be us versus some experience when we play Kentucky. Coach, I'm interested to get your thoughts on on the one or two plays away. Is it really about experience and experience and getting that win in a close game to to get guys to get teams over the hump when it comes to kind of hope believing you can win versus hoping you can win a tight ball game? Yeah, you know it's like that against NC State. We beat NC State, um, and I. You know, I think part of it is is consistency. I mean, as you get older, you get more consistent. And consistency, I think, helps you helps you win tight games. And some of our games, I felt like were tight because of our inconsistency. Gotcha, Coach. I know practice around the corner. Uh, I need to ask you about Candy Corn, and we've talked about Candy Corn and your uh, your post game. Uh, the whole world saw on social media. Uh, with your thoughts on candy corn, at what point? Who have you pinpointed? Who uh, who gave you that first uh, horrible dose of candy corn? How old were you when you got into the? I think I was a kid. I mean, I was a kid. I think it probably started somewhere with trick or treating, and you know, inevitably you're going to get candy corn, especially back then. I mean, you know, just constant candy corn. You know. Smarties and candy corn were, were kind of very prevalent. And then those just globs of pumpkin-looking candy that um, <laughs> you never saw before again, and you never ate them either. I mean, we never ate them. Um, the, uh, and, and Smarties were good. <clears throat> but then you get candy corn, and I, I do remember, I can't remember exactly when. It wasn't the first time. Um, ate some candy corn. Said, "Well, this really isn't very good." And then, and then ate some more and said, "Well, this is all there is, so I better enjoy this." <laughs> and then, after eating a certain amount, I got sick. I think I've gotten sick on candy corn actually twice, and that would have been somewhere prior to uh, <clears throat> third grade, I think. And then after that, I was pretty well done with candy corn. And even as a kid, where you so uh, desperately chased down candy back then, um, you know, you'd go to the store and try to get your mom to give you a quarter so you could get, you know, the, the penny candy sitting there. And then uh, the candy corn, <laughs> hell no, that was out. Well, you, you posted uh, the how to eat candy corn tutorial. <laughs> Open the bag, pour candy into the trash. Eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> uh, well, that's not a bad idea. I saw. I read that. I read that overall, Reese's is the number one candy in the country. It does it, well. It's the number one favorite, allegedly. And Reese's were popular when I was a kid too. I was never a Reese's guy. I wasn't as big into, um, you know, chocolate overall. Um, um, and if if I did, I wanted something with like almonds in it or something or a, a little action. Um, I was a big Jolly Rancher guy. I love Jolly Rancher. Um, did you ever put so a, Jolly Ranchers into Zima? 
No, uh, what is it? I heard something else you put in there and it makes it explode. Oh, Mentos. <laughs> yeah, Mentos will blow up a Coke. Yeah. Never never <laughs> tried that. Like that. No, I never did put them in a Zima. Is that good? I, I, I No. <laughs> it's Zima, man. <laughs> yeah, but, I know exactly. But, uh, um, yeah, the... Uh, uh, no, I like the, I, I like Jolly Ranchers. They seem to be fewer and farther between now. I actually, when I lived in Golden, Colorado, we were quite close to Wheat Ridge, uh, which is where Jolly Ranchers Company was. And uh, and I was a big fan. And like I'd uh, I love Cherry Sticks. That was my ultimate can't go to when I was a kid. Cherry Stick. I'm sending you a picture. I'm in my kid's room because I'm quarantined. He has fifty packages of Jolly Ranchers all over his, his desk. Not schoolwork, Coach. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that kid will go far. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's definitely ahead of his time, not getting caught up in, you know, all the chocolate stuff and everything else. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, well, then, of course, they came out with all the different gummies. And to be honest, I'm not sure that gummy snakes, where one of the snakes is sweet and one sour, they've got to be hairy bow, but um, the gummy snakes are pretty good. The gummy cherries are good. So you can't go wrong with any of that. Coach, so when you go oh, get uh, your uh, – go ahead. That one that – one, uh, oh, what are they called? You know, the one that's the marshmallow covered with chocolate. I like that one, too. That one's pretty good. Mike Leach with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, getting ready for Kentucky, Mississippi State, Kentucky this weekend. So have you ever gone to a Halloween party as a pirate? No. No, I haven't. I, I, it's, uh, if, I, if I went to one, which I can't say that I've gone to a ton of Halloween parties to begin with, but um, if I went, uh, it would be bad because you get pretty good gear. You know, I mean, that's one thing with the pirate deal. You get you get cool gear. You get a cool looking, you know, a, potentially a pistol and a sword. I mean, sword. How do you beat a sword? You know, you don't. And uh, though I, I can just see you showing up to a Halloween party as as a pirate. Um, when you go to the dollar store, do you have to? Kind of go incognito. Do you have the hat and the shades, or do you just kind of show up as Coach Leach when you go get your candy stash? I usually just go. Sometimes my wife goes, but I'll just go. And then, uh, you know, like uh, Key West, you know, where we'd be more inclined to go to movies, we try to go to the dollar store and get the boxes of the small sprees. Why you can't get those anywhere is amazing to me. But, um, you know, because uh, they used to sell them everywhere. And I can't find them but at the dollar store. But uh, the ones with the small ones so that they, you know, they don't jack your teeth up as bad. So have you ever encountered, a, have you had a haunted experience? I know we talked a while back and you stayed in one of the haunted rooms in the L.A. hotel. Have you had a haunted experience I, anywhere else? Have you checked out some I, of the I ghosts think, of Mississippi? I think I have. I think. I think I have, and, and, and my mother-in-law thinks so, too, and so does my brother-in-law. Okay, so <clears throat> we're at my, at my wife's house in Utah, or my wife's mom's house in Utah, 
And I'd always feel these same these weird presences in in this uh, bedroom we stayed in, and uh, you know just uh, you know just feel this you know there's something there, and I'd wake up suddenly and and could even though it was dark, could kind of see you know what I felt like was just you know uh, how how would I describe it? It's almost like there's a film on your eye or something. Maybe it's my imagination, but. And you wonder that, and then um, it's almost like a, a soap bubble, you yeah. know, just but very faint, you know. And so that, but I, you know, just felt like there was something there, and then, uh, and then uh, <clears throat> went out and um, passed this uh, in the living room one time when there were people in the living room, <clears throat> and I and I could see these kind of orbs going around then i'd rub my eye and then i'd look and well okay so and then as we started talking you know i mentioned it and then um and then her mother darlene said that well this furniture used to belong to uh a lady uh and uh that furniture used to belong to another. All the furniture had belonged to some lady, some relative, or something. And and um, you know the 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 bed and the and the and the drawers that were in that uh, bedroom. And then uh, so she said, "Well, that used to belong to some the you know this lady." And uh, and she goes, well, maybe she wants her furniture back, you know. You're in and her seat. I go, well, then I said, well, you know, so I saw, I've seen these orbs, you know, by this lamp here before. I go, why, why would it be uh, by this lamp? Because this lamp's definitely not that lady's, because the lamp looked kind of modern-y, okay? Well, it turns out it was the lady's lamp. That lamp was the lady's lamp, too. Oh, and wow. so then... Then Darlene gets off that furniture out of the house, and I've stayed in that room several times since. Never, uh, you know, felt any uh, vibe in there after that. Okay, then my brother-in-law, he was up fixing the air conditioner one time and knew that everybody was gone, and here's this, hello, hello, hello. So goes down to look, can't find anything, and swears he hears it. And, you know, and he's a guy that thinks he's an atheist, which I've never quite got that. So you're an atheist, and now we also have ghosts. I mean, it's either one or the other, isn't it? And then, um, uh, but uh, no, he, he, think, he thinks there was something there, and he says it, you know, it was inexplicable and the whole thing. And so, you know, ghosts are fun enough that atheists will believe in them if they feel like it. So last thought here, Coach. Did you ever dabble with a Ouija board? No, I thought one, well, let me see. I guess that there's a half yes to that. Okay, so first of all, yeah, a little bit, and then immediately got bored and said, what the hell are we doing? I mean, you can play Risk or Monopoly. You know, you sit there at the board, you ask a question, and that thing just sits there, you know? And so then, uh, no, I was not into that. And then there is a creep factor to it. And then it's not um, really the type of thing where a bunch of people can do it at a, at a time, you know? Right. Do you have a buddy no, or anybody it's, that, that uh, it's, it's the Ouija board is, 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 is creepy meets boring, you know? Gotcha. Do you ever have a buddy get freaked out by one? 
I'm sure you've heard stories. By a Ouija board, not a Ouija board. Ah, it's I don't know specific. I have no specific. Seems like uh, I did, and I I wasn't there, but that they mentioned they had some experience or some. I have heard that people have experiences with them though. Yeah, that same here. I uh, haven't ever really dabbled with one, but haven't heard a lot of good. Coach, have a great Saturday. Enjoy uh, Kentucky and, and Mississippi State, and uh, have a have a good ball game. Okay, thanks for a few minutes. All right, I appreciate it. There's the pirate. Some uh, well, some haunting stories about the mother-in-law's house. Mike Babcock will dive back into some Nebraska football. A tale of our city, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Big thanks to Coach Leach for jumping on before practice. We welcome in uh, Mr. Husker football historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity Magazine. HaleVarsity.com at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how you doing? Well, I'm doing okay, but this is a tough deal, you know, following the pirate. Um, Babbers, no worries. No worries, my friend. You're always awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The old pirate, we didn't spend as much time on on candy corn because he completely covered that in his post game. But he's he's a fan of trying to find his way into haunted venues. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's uh, he can he can do that. That's I'll leave that to him. <laughs> we'll let him do it. We'll let uh, him do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. No, I same here, man. I'm I'm a wuss. Uh, <laughs> let him deal with it all. Uh, let's uh, spend a minute here. What was your your thoughts, your reaction uh, from from Trev Alberts last night? He had his uh, his his AD show with the network and. Uh, was asked pretty much point blank about a, a vote of confidence for for Coach Frost, and I thought Trev handled it well. Did you read into any of his comments? What was your takeaway? You know, I didn't read in, in, into his comments. I didn't read anything into it. I thought I was, I'm with you. I thought he said the appropriate thing, um, and I think that Trev is fairly uh, he's a fairly transparent uh, guy. I mean, I think that he probably said what he what he thought there and you know i think he take it at face value i don't think there was any kind of undercurrent in what he said um i think it was i think it was appropriate and again i don't think he's the kind of um person as athletic director that's going to you know uh be rash in his decision making um and i think that he'll you know whatever whatever decision there is to be made you know in this you know, in the age of social media, this thing really gets trumped up uh, significantly, I think. But, uh, um, no, I I didn't have any, you know, I want to read into it what he was saying there. I think he said the right thing, and I think he felt, he felt what he said was the right thing to say. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, obviously a lot can change between now and Black Friday. But in your opinion, will there be a decision that needs to be made by the end of this football season? Or has Scott done enough uh, just based on the progress you've seen in the talent of this Nebraska football team uh, that he, he has earned his shot at another year? Well, it just from my – this is just my point of view. I'm not probably as practical as, as a lot of people would be. But, 
you know, I, I don't think four years are enough, and I think that he's he's done enough. Now, here's the thing, you know, it's a, just a what if. What if Nebraska would win three out of four and get to a bowl game? Or what if Nebraska would lose all four and finish uh, three and nine? I mean, it's they're, those are extremes, and, you know, maybe it'll fall somewhere in between, but that's regardless, I think that he needs to have an opportunity for another season uh, to see what, what's going to happen. But, you know, we hear the same thing each time we go to the Monday news conference. Um, you know, they're on the verge. Um, all they need to do is fix the little things, and then the little things come up again. And little things are not little things when they cost you games. Mike, that's been what's maddening is is how close Nebraska's been and how it's, uh, to, to coin the, the phrase, it's been repeated, the, the same movie. Do you think it's just a situation with this team and their mentality where there's there's an oh no or they're waiting for something bad to happen or is it just the the reality of playing in a really tough league where you've got more either experienced teams or more confident teams because you know th- this team's played at a high level a lot of times and they've played confident football i wonder is, is that confidence shaken post minnesota or do you think they can kind of get back to their old form this Saturday? Well, I, and I've probably said this before, but I think that, you know, you can say that we believe in ourselves and that, you know, we're going to win. When we go out on that field, we think we're going to win. But And, and Scott kind of addressed this uh, on Monday, uh, the mentality of it. They've tried to be psychological, he said. Um, I think that saying that is a lot easier than actually believing it. And they, and by that, I mean you have to get in that winning mentality by winning, um, not by saying it. And so, you know, you're close in all these games, and you say, well, we've got that winning mentality. That That's why we're close. No, that's not it. You've got to get over that. Get over the hump, I think, is what uh, uh, was the image that's been used a couple of times at those news conferences. Um, you've got to get to the point where you're winning and you believe – based on that and Nebraska is not there yet it's, it's a mindset thing in part because as you said you know that they've got talent uh, there's improvement there Frost used the phrase bigger stronger faster which I remember back in the day Boyd Epley was yeah, every year you know he'd talk about uh, the weight room and that was kind of what you know, they were bigger stronger and faster um, you know, and and they probably were because he was a pioneer in that field. But um, you still have to get that mindset, and it's tough when you've been down to get back up there. And uh, I think that's where Nebraska's at. I think a lot of it is mentality, and I think what you said is, you know, subconsciously, here we go again. Or you know, here's the situation. It's a key situation. And we make a mistake, and it costs us. But subconscious, you know, because you talk to the players, and it's like they've got confidence. They say they've got confidence in themselves, and on some level they, they do. But it's it's you still have to win to develop that winning uh, uh, mentality. And I don't think that they're 
that they're not there yet is what I think. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MD Babs. Follow Babbers on Twitter. Is it going to be another uh, another case study Saturday uh, of that mentality? Do you expect this thing to be tight? I know Vegas says it's a a touchdown, and uh, Purdue's been been difficult for Nebraska. I don't know where Purdue's at though, Mike, coming into this. Yeah, that, and that's a thing um, on on just a really superficial level. Probably, you know, you so you play Iowa and then you play Wisconsin, uh, two very physical teams. So Nebraska has a week off. That could be a benefit to Nebraska when Purdue's coming off two games, regardless, win or lose, uh, very physical games that, that the Boilermakers have played. So what kind of a toll does that take on, on the Boilermakers? The other thing, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, they've, they've got the three guys that have done some things at quarterback for them. And, you know, the old adage, when you got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. <laughs> Um, kind of thing, and now when you got three, I don't know what the adage would be, but um, you know that's kind of an interesting thing. But I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a competitive, close game. I, I really do. And uh, again, I think that Nebraska might have a little bit of an advantage because Purdue has been, has had physical uh, games the last two weeks, and and that that can take a toll. Mike Babcock's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, if there's one thing that you think this Husker team should have worked on, or if they did improve upon in the bye week, uh, they're going to be a better football team these last four games. What do you think that that one thing would be if you had to pick one? Uh, Protect the quarterback with the offensive line so that you can establish some kind of a running game and keep people off the quarterback. Because Nebraska and Purdue are tied for the most sacks in the Big Ten, giving given up the most sacks in the Big Ten, there's going to be pressure that Purdue has shown it can put on the quarterback. Offensive line has to be able to protect the quarterback, give him an opportunity to throw, give the running game an opportunity to be established. Yeah, that'll be super important Saturday at 2.30 when Nebraska and Purdue kick off. Mike, let's go to Husker basketball. The uh, the exhibition tonight against Peru State. The Buffs come to town Sunday for another exhibition, and then a week away from the from the opener. Uh, your excitement number is what out of ten for this season? Well, I'm I'm always energetic and excited when it comes to uh, basketball to the basketball season. So you know you can put it anywhere. You can put it at ten. I'm I'm always excited for that. You know, I'm excited to to see the Nebraska volleyball team tonight yeah. against Wisconsin. You know, there's there's a there's there's another exciting thing. So, yeah, basketball, same thing. You know, women's basketball. Let's see where they. There's there's optimism there too. Mm-hmm. So all these things, I'm at, at this time of year. I'm just it's it's really exciting to to anticipate. You know what you're going to see, and and it's going to be a dramatically different. Uh, men's basketball team than than what we saw a year ago. So let's uh, let's see how these guys uh, perform. You're going to have talent now, Mike. Do you think that talent translates into more wins? I know Fred's going to have to figure out the rotation and then use his bench because he'll have plenty of options. But do you think they can be obviously competitive, but but push for some sort of postseason? Um. I just want them to be competitive at this point. You know, I don't, you know, postseason, I don't want to take too big of a leap. I don't want to put too much pressure there. Um, just be very competitive. 
and uh, you know the pieces can fall into place. But uh, um, you know you got a you got a trail to to follow here. Uh, same way the football team, you got to develop that mentality, and and so uh, let's be competitive first, and then worry about whether you're going to get to a term or not. Don't don't set that as your standard. Set being competitive as your standard right now. Mike, about a minute left here. We heard Coach Hoiberg say on Wednesday that he likes expectations for a basketball team, and he didn't uh, accept this job thinking that there wouldn't be expectations. But do you think there are expectations upon what this Husker basketball team should be doing this season? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely do. Because, again, there's been so much talk about, uh, you know, the talent that's been brought in. Uh, got a five-star recruit for the first time. Um, you know, Fred Hoiberg's resume um, goes into that. When he was hired, that was part of the deal. You know, I was like, well, this guy's got a tremendous resume. Um, what can he do here? So, yeah, I think there's a, I think there certainly is a, a lot of expectation among fans. Um, it, you know, to some extent, it's that way every year, but I think that there's maybe more so this year um, because of the talent that they've, they've brought in. But there was talk about talent a year ago. Um, so we'll see. Mike Babcock, read him with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, and uh, follow Babbers on Twitter at MDBabs. Mike, we'll get caught up again next week. Thanks for jumping in with us today, bud. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Mike Babcock, we'll check in with Mike Schuhart. Andy Markowski on the way. Tom Deanhart will tell us all about Purdue. That's hour two with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mike Babcock and, of course, Coach Leach. The Pirate kicked us off in Hour 1. That full interview of Babbers and uh, Coach Leach on ESPNLincoln.com. The On Demand. It'll be posted on Twitter, and we'll have a two-minute drill of uh, the the time Coach saw some ghosts. Uh, Pretty entertaining. We welcome in uh, out at Wilderness Ridge, Mike Schuhart. Shuey with us. Can find Mike on Twitter at Mike Shuhart. Shuey, what do you know? Good to spend time with you. Nice. Glad to be on. Wish it wasn't raining. Well, you and me both. I've got two big old puppies that love the rain and, and love the carpet. So we'll do that math <laughs> together. Tell me about your weekend, man. Uh, you had a chance to go out to West Palm, compete a little bit, and then... Uh, I saw on Twitter you, you made a quick stop at Nick's Diner. What did you order at Nick's Diner? Meatloaf sandwich. Baby. It was absolutely delicious. <laughs> I should have taken a picture of it, but I ate it faster than I could take a picture of it. So it was it was awesome. That is so good. So what were you doing out at West Palm, obviously playing? Give us a little backstory. We had, uh, that was the National Senior Club Pro Championship that I Ooh. qualified for earlier in the in the summer and uh that was the national tournament so i went out there uh that's the first time i've competed at that level in 10 years so it was 10 years ago about to the day that uh, i played my first senior event 10 years later i played the second one so i found out that i need to uh i need to be a little better prepared next time i go well did you have fun I did. I had a lot of fun. It was great. I mean, there was people that I haven't seen for 20 that uh, I ran into, uh, probably 100 of them, actually. So it, that was the best part of it, guys that kind of reconnected with that I haven't seen, that I competed with for 
all the time I was out there competing and, you know, I haven't competed for a while and to run into him again and kind of reminisce about a lot of the things that happened in our playing days. So it was really fun. That's awesome, Shu. I'm glad you got to, to go out and compete again and you'll rock and roll it uh, next time you're out. Uh, what, what's the next event for, for, for Shuey? Uh, well, actually, the next event is to me start working on my game throughout the winter to be prepared <laughs> for next year. There so, you go. There you go. Got me a little motivated, actually. Well, that's awesome. Shuey, we'll get to an update on, on Wilderness and the Lazy River and the swim-up bar that I'm going to make sure I, I <laughs> get my laps in to, to, to try oh, yeah. out. But a thought on, on Saturday, a tough one against Minnesota, a week off to recalibrate for Nebraska football. And how you feeling Saturday, close one or more of kind of a, a Northwestern performance for Nebraska? I'm asking you because Elijah and I put our heads together and, and we're still working on figuring out Nebraska football this season. I think you and everybody else is trying to figure out what you're going to see out of them, you know. Um... I think it's going to be a close one. I think every game pretty much they play is going to be a close one. Uh, you know, Northwestern's probably the most complete game that they've kind of put together, mistake-free and very efficient. And you see what they can do when they play that way. But you've only seen that really maybe one time, you know. They just have a tendency to play down to their opponents and up to their opponents, you know. So it's like Purdue was kind of a game that people thought they would – have a really good chance to win. Uh, not so much anymore. You know, Minnesota, they thought would, that was a, that was going to be a win for them, and they found out quite quickly that it was completely opposite of that. So it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll see. A week off had to help them some, I would hope, heal up. But just, they got four tough games, and they got to win three of the four. So hopefully they know that. I, I'm I'm sure they're aware as uh, we're working on. You know, we were talking with Babbers about the mentality of the team. You know, talking about breaking through, but you can speak to this just being a pro like you have been. You got to go do it, don't you? Yeah, sometimes you just got to know what's in front of you, and you just got to suck it up, and you have to do it. You know, that's that's I don't know a little concerning to me. It's not like. Sometimes I get the sense that it's not a sense of urgency to them. It's okay. It'll just happen. It's like sometimes you just got to – you have to make it happen and, or it's never going to happen, you know. It's like do they really want it to happen? Do they even know what that is? I think a few guys do, but I'm not sure a lot of them do. Chewy, uh, are you gearing up for the, uh, the Hoiberg bandwagon? You excited for year three? I am. I mean, it's uh, it's another one. That's a strange. I mean, there's a lot of hype. Looks like there's some talent on there, but I mean, the guy hasn't won very many games here, you know. So it's like we have a tendency, at least, you know, all of us. I mean, we have a lot of hope that we see something good, and it's and we get a lot of hype, get excited about it, and then kind of let down. So I don't know. I'm I'm trying to stay a little more even-keeled about what it is and being a little more skeptical about what I'm going to see on the court. Mike Schuhart's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, we had Trev Alberts uh, on uh, Sports Nightly last night say he has optimism uh, regarding 
every sport here at Nebraska and the future, uh, what the future could bring, I guess I should say. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you, do you think that you have optimism regarding most of the main sports that, that you follow uh, regarding or with Husker Athletics? Oh, no question. I mean, part of it comes from your support from your from your university, which there's a tremendous amount of that, your fan support, which there's a tremendous amount of that. It's just like, man, you have to do – got to hire the right people that do it the right way, you know? And it's like that, that comes to him. And so does he have faith in the, the, the people that are running their programs going in the direction that they need to go? So it's like, yeah, I'm assuming so. But then it's like bottom line is it's wins and losses. I mean, you can have all the faith in the world, but if you keep winning three games a year, I mean, how much, how long can that faith last? You know, sooner or later, it's like they can't get the job done, you know? And it's, how long do you give them? How long do you stay with that? That's the tough one. It's a really tough because you, you, you want them to succeed. You think they're going to succeed. But if you keep giving me the same product year after year after year, it's like something's got to change. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, give us an update here, brother, about a minute or so with construction, the new digs. You moved into your new pro shop, correct? Correct. So we still got uh, – we moved into our new pro shop. It's beautiful. So they should come out and take a look at it. Uh, still kind of finalizing some stuff uh, to get our academy open. So – Working on that. They're working on the Lazy River. I'm standing in the academy looking at the bridge over the Lazy River that is all set in place. So it looks beautiful. I walked over it uh, before I left to Florida, so it's pretty fun. So we got to get a little weather cooperating so we can keep pouring cement and get everything done. But it's moving right along. I can just imagine the alley-oops with lime in hand, Shuey popping a lime into my Corona, and then option pitching to me as I go right by the bridge. Exactly right. I can see that. I've already kind of imagined that that's going to happen. So as soon as the horror of me without a shirt on washes away, you uh, <laughs> you'll hand off the goods. That's right. Get uh, Shuey. Uh, we will catch up next week. We'll uh, spend a little bit more time with you as well on, on membership stuff. That's going to be a great holiday option for folks. And yes. appreciate you, my friend. And, and congrats on the, the competition last weekend. Thank you much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Everybody stay safe. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winding down this first hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we're gearing up for Andy Markowski, the pride of Ord, next hour, his take on Husker Hoops, the preview on 2021-2022, what to Expect from the Big Red. More thoughts with Purdue as Tom Deanhart from Yahoo and Rivals, uh, goldenblack.com, uh, will give us his take on what Saturday may bring as whiskey and beer come to town. Buckle up, do so. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We spent a little bit of time before talking to Coach Leach at the start of the show on uh, Trev Alberts on Nebraska on his appearance with the network last night and uh, the topic of 
where Trev Zat, his response to a pointed question about uh, Scott Frost uh, from a morale standpoint, from a, uh, you know, a security of the program. Uh, do you want to make a declarative statement last night on the radio for all the Husker Nation to hear that, that uh, Trev's your guy? I should say that Scott's your guy. Forgive me. Uh, moving forward. And, uh, you know, Trev was right on about where momentum was at. Now that needs to be recalibrated, regenerated. You've got a final four games to make a push here. And uh, when it comes to bold, broad statements, uh, Trev not into that. Here's that full comment last night. It's interesting uh, um, as, you, as you watch college football and you watch different institutions uh, choose to handle um, situations differently. Um, you know, I've just always been very careful and I think I'm uh, trying to be consistent. I mean, early in the year, uh, I'm not a guy that likes to go out and talk about number of wins required. You don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way. Um, and so making bold, broad statements um, in the middle of a football season, to me, uh, can be very counterproductive. I understand your perspective, and I, and I do think that, um, you know, there's a time and space for that. All I can tell you is I've been uh, extraordinarily uh, uh, proud of, of of Coach Frost and, and our coaching staff. I love working with Scott. Um, you know, we continue uh, working together. Uh, I see great things for our football program. Um, and I watch other institutions, you know, fire coaches two games in. Um, I know it's it's crazy la-la land in, in, in some of those respects, uh, but I'm – uh, I, I'm proud of what Coach Frost and our, and our staff has done. We've, like I said, we've got four games in the next five weeks that I think are a great opportunity for us and uh, really looking forward to seeing them play well against Purdue. So that is Trev Alberts on Scott Frost uh, when it comes to job security. And uh, two different times in that soundbite, in that answer, he said proud. Now, <laughs> proud to me means Scott is 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 going the right direction that's my interpretation that's how i'm reading into it wins need to follow wins need to come and trev's very measured trev's super smart and trev uh, at, at his heart wants what's best for nebraska football and he also wants this to work so uh pulling the pin on the hand grenade and saying you better go three and one is not his style and and this team has their own pressure, right? They're trying to work through it. We'll see if they can bounce back Saturday. Oscar Hoops back at it at PBA tonight. The pride of Ord, Andy Markowski, next Hail Varsity continues. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to an hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, strong hour one. Thanks so much to Mike Babcock, Mike Schuhart, and uh, Coach Mike Leach, the Pirate, getting us kicked off on uh, well, some spooky stories about a haunted mother-in-law's house. Going to want to check that out. ESPNLincoln.com. Nebraska basketball on our mind. We welcome in the pride of Ord, standout uh, for Nebraska basketball. We say hi to Andy Markowski 
at uh, Markowski Andy on Twitter is where you find him. Andy, what's good? How you doing? Yeah, doing great, Smitty. Uh, great time at the. Hang on, I'm just taking you on Bluetooth here. Great time of the year here. So, got the Husker hoop starting and uh, hoops right around the corner. It is, it is outstanding. Eddie, you've coached at the Division One level. You, you do a great job uh, coaching at, at high school now. And I, I'm interested to, to kind of get your take. And, and you've been a part of teams that brought in a, a, a lot of talent. Uh, what's the trick to, uh, to meshing all that talent and specifically uh, getting guys to accept roles, big or small? Is that a concern this year for you with Nebraska men? Well, from the from the outside, it is you know any time that you know you have transfers and and you know having to you know having more talent than than what you've had in the past is, is exciting. But but certainly um, you know you start to to divvy up the minutes. There's 200 minutes, and you know you start doing the math on on kind of what players expect, what they need, what they deserve. You know, so you ask you know what's important. I, you know, I think communication. Um, is, is really important from the staff to the players. And, and then I think the locker room itself, you have to have really good leadership. Uh, players have to keep, keep each other accountable. And then the ultimate deodorant is, is winning. You know, I mean, players, uh, you know, if you're part of a winning team, uh, they tend to not uh, be as vocal. They accept their role more just because you, you know, you're a pariah if you start to, to be outspoken, uh, you know, when your team is having success and winning. Uh, so, you know, you start to lose, uh, those things can, can be more exposed and you can become fragmented, you know, pretty quickly. But, you know, communication and and uh, trust with your with your leaders of your team and then, then ultimately you got to win and, and, and perform well and the rest should be history. Eddie Markowski is with us, ALVAR City Radio. Some thoughts on Nebraska basketball. Eddie, you were a, a guy that was voted the captain. You were part of that leadership core. Do you have uh, instances where you're – you had to, to be vocal with a guy that, that may not like his his role or in a, in a different sense have to encourage a guy that you, that you needed more from yeah all of the above i mean you, you know you're really you know from from practice habits to energy to you know shot selection to you know effort plays uh, from a scouting report you know who's putting in the time watching film who's putting in time extra shots you know, I think all of that, you know, the coaches can have the idea, but but all of that really has to, to be, you know, accountable for, from each player that's a part of that. So, you know, we, we had all those instances, you know, and, and then sometimes you had players disagree with you and challenge you, you know, emotionally, uh, physically. I mean, that that was all part of, of the process. Um, but, you know, once again, str- a strong locker room with, with leaders that, um, you know, not only tell you how to do it, but they're leading by example, right? I mean, that's always key, too. Your best players have to be your most vocal, and and they have to be willing to, to, to kind of walk the walk. And, you know, we'll find out. You know, the young kids are, are going to get a chance. You have Burge as a, as a transfer that's a point guard. You know, I don't know what his leadership capabilities are. Uh, you, you know, you bring a kid back like Webster, which, you know, was a leader last year, is, you know, hopefully can offer you some stability if, if things do uh, start going south during a game. So, you know, I think Fred has some different uh, buttons to, to push, but if, if the young kids playing a lot of minutes are willing to, to lead and be, be led, um, you know, I think this team has a chance to, to have a successful season. Let's get into to Verge and, and this, this roster. Uh, Fred's done a great job historically of bringing in transfers. Verge is 
very special with with what he can do when it comes to making buckets, but also uh, slashing through and, and finding teammates. It seems like Verge, you know, Verge, his personality fits well with the rest of the kids that are back, and we we spend a lot of time on on Trey and of course Bryce. But is Verge really is he kind of an unspoken key for this team because of of what his potential is? Yeah, you know, here's a kid that's averaged double figures, you know, in, in, a, in a BCS conference in the Pac-12. So, you know, how, how that translates into the Big Ten, uh, which is a little bit more physical, you know, not not quite as fast-paced as, as what the Pac-12 is. You know, I'll be anxious to, to see if he can, you know, have that level of productivity. But but no doubt he's fast with the basketball. I, I think the key to two things with this team is is how well their fours and fives can, can hold up rebounding. We, we don't have... Uh, great physicality along the front line. They're skilled and versatile, which you know could be a challenge for for other teams. And then you know, can our perimeter shooting, you know, be better with you know with Medinaga uh, uh, and and you know certainly Wilcher and then you know McGowan's are going to have to make jump shots. I mean, those two things are what I'm watching. Well, I think Burge is is good enough. He's he's proven it. Uh, you know, him and Webster can offer uh, you know a lot of good things at the one position, but it's going to come down to how well they can shoot it and how well the inside guys can hold up in you know what is notoriously a really physical uh, conference along the front line from a back to the basket score and and rebounding league. Eddie Markowski, a few minutes with us. Uh, Oscar Standout, the pride of Ord, Hale Varsity Radio. Have you had a chance to to see much of of uh, of 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 Bryce up up close uh, and personal, uh, and quite honestly, uh, what's what's the, the the family dynamic there? You've got two brothers playing together. That's that's huge. That can be helpful. What do you think of this five star phenom? Yeah, I have not uh, had a chance to see him this summer, and then uh, I was fortunate to, to sneak into Hendrix. Uh, my my daughter kind of had family night. Uh, Hendrix has kind of been on lockdown for outside guests, so I've been chopping at the bit to get out and, and watch him. You know, certainly it was at the uh, the opening uh, night, um, you know, kind of scrimmage. But yeah, I mean, you know, immensely talented, long, you know, projected to be a lottery pick, right? I mean, that speaks to to the the potential that that. NBA and, and and people think Bryce has, um, you know. I'm excited. It's, it's by far uh, the most talented group we've had. He's he's probably one of the best players on paper to to uh, start a, a, a you know a season at Nebraska. Um, you know, having the brother, um, you know, can be really positive. You have a you know emotional support person there that, that kind of knows you, uh, but yet. You know, if one of them is not playing well or maybe one's not playing as many minutes, you know, sometimes having brothers can be a challenge to coach as well because they, they have, uh, you know, that emotional bond with each other. And sometimes when one's up, the other one's up. And when one's down, the other one's down. And you have to be careful to, to make sure that you, 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 know, you manage that. But um, I, I'm super excited. I, I think the league is really good. Uh, their non-conference schedule uh, can be navigated uh, to, to get them to nine or, or ten wins, I believe. Um, and, you know, couple that with, with uh, protecting your home court and stealing some games. I, I think this is an NCAA tournament team. 
Andy, you mentioned a few minutes ago the, the physicality of the Big Ten, and we had Coach Hoiberg on Wednesday when he was uh, talking about Bryce McGowan's discuss uh, the the change between high school basketball and college basketball on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, does offense translate better there? Because he essentially said that uh, Bryce McGowan's has some learning to do on the defensive side of the ball. Still, can you, can you discuss that 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 shift from high school to to college on on the defensive end of things? Yeah, I, I think physical strength is, is one thing. Um, but the second thing is you, you don't have to guard any hard actions at high school. I mean, in college, you know, you not only have to guard the dribble, you've got to guard screening sequences, you've got to help, you've got to be able to dig on the post, you've got to pay attention to scouting or, you know, whether you're taking a right hand away or a left hand away or one dribble pull up. You know, those are things that college coaches are going to ask a young player to do. Not that they're not capable of doing it. They just haven't had to do it. And, and they have to do it over over consistent minutes. So if, if you're going to play Bryce McGowan 25 minutes as a freshman, you know, he, he can't be a sieve on the defensive end and, and just break down uh, of what Doc is asking him to do defensively. So I, I think that's the, the biggest challenge. Not that he's not athletic or strong enough to do it. You know, can he consistently – uh, do it possession over possession uh, from one night to the next night, which might require you to guard somebody entirely different or, or a different system that has different screening angles. Uh, all, all of that stuff, I think, is the, the biggest thing for young players to overcome. Um, but yet, if he can go get you 18 and give up 15, you know, you're still plus three, right? So coaches are willing to, to kind of look the other way and, and, and you know, hopefully through the the growing pains of a freshman, uh, if you look at the schedule, the back eight games are, are very doable. Uh, so if they can just hold things together, I, I think by the end of the year, this team's going to be pretty good. Eddie Markowski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Husker standout, proud papa, and, of course, uh, the pride of Ord. You just said NCAA tournament team. You know, different fans have different bars for this team. And I'm not talking to the one that serves a double when you ask for a single, right? Uh, you, you have the, the hope that, that Nebraska, with this talent, right, you've got an opportunity with this collection of, of high-level dudes. And you also have a reality that the Big Ten is the Big Ten. You, you mentioned the non-conference. Do, do, you, um, do you anticipate Nebraska being able to to, to, to navigate through this Big Ten because of their talent, uh, their, their elevated level of talent. I'm not saying you're guaranteeing an NCAA tournament run, but what makes you, what makes you comfortable in feeling like maybe it could, be, uh, it could happen again this year? Well, I, I think, you know, hey, you mentioned the talent, but I, I, I think they're versatile. I think they can play a lot of different ways. You know, Fred has mentioned there's about 11 players that he feels comfortable that, that he could he could play. Um, and that versatility, I, I think, bodes well for them. I, I kind of use the analogy, you know, Frost thought he was going to come into the Big Ten and, and, and kind of out-system everybody. And, and that's the one question I have on, on, on Coach Hoiberg is, is this isn't a – uh, a data league, right, in terms of looking at points per possession and tempo and, and all the things that he looks at offensively, this league will, will slow you down and grind you down. If you're not willing to play that way, um, you know, you can't have success. However, I think he has elevated his skill players to overcome the style that he wants to play, even though that doesn't fit into the Big Ten, which, you know, is a very physical half-court league. I think you can play a different way if you have good enough players. And uh, to my eye, and whether or not they can defend and rebound and, and make enough perimeter shots, uh, I think this 
team is talented enough to overcome the, the, the style that is the Big Ten. You know, Iowa has, has you know, been able to kind of use smoke and mirrors on the defensive end and, and score a lot of points and win. Um, I think this team, um, you know, can, can do that. Now they got to stay healthy and, you know, the, the, the verge has to be, you know, what he's been and McGowan has to be a five-star talent and, and, and have all those things play out. Uh, what what we think they can do, uh, but I, I do to to you know just looking at the the schedule, uh, they have a chance to have a, a good start. Uh, the middle is going to be a grind, but then if they can stay healthy, I, I think they'll finish strong. And, and this is a team that I don't think a lot of people in the league are going to want to play. Andy Markowski with us. Andy, let's uh, shift gears to to the Husker women. And uh, how's the transition been for Alexis? How are things going uh, for her down at uh, down at Nebraska? Yeah, great. Thanks for asking, Chris. You know, super excited. I, I think Amy's got a great culture, a lot of players back. Uh, I think there's an influx in, in freshmen that are, are going to challenge for, for minutes. Uh, you know, Jazz Shelley, the transfer from Oregon, um, if, if people haven't heard about her or have seen her play, I, I think is going to add a, another really dynamic wing uh, guard player for them that can, can shoot the basketball and, and make a lot of passes and, and get teammates uh, baskets. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a double, Chris. I think the men and women are going to, you know, going to be in the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a fun winner uh, in Lincoln. You know, you know how this place gets, bud. When when it's tournament time, you've been part of NCAA tournament teams. It's really pretty much unmatched, Andy. I mean, football's football, and people love it. But the the joy and passion with Nebraska basketball dancing, men and women. I mean, you lived it. Could you put it into words? Yeah, no, it's, you know, Nebraska fans are the best, you know, and, and you know, they, you have to give them a reason to to come and, and support, and, you know, winning's a, a big part of that. But, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, both programs have, have uh, you know, some momentum. They You know, they've, they've upgraded their rosters from a talent standpoint. And, you know, to your point, Chris, and what's, what's greater than the, to, uh, you know, sit there and watch your teams competing in, in a great conference and having a chance to play postseason basketball and, you know, my hope is, you know, we win a game in, in the uh, NCAA tournament, right? Just to, to, to kind of not be uh, reminded of that every year. So I'm, I'm still optimistic that Fred, you know, is going to get that done. And, and hopefully this is a group to do it. Andy, we'll get caught up again uh, throughout the year. Always love your takes and, and insight and expertise. Uh, and enjoy this season. We'll check in again soon. And thanks for your time today, bud. All right. Thanks, guys. There he is, Andy Markowski with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Proud Papa Alexis was so much fun to watch at Pius and going to be awesome to see her and her teammates uh, for Coach Williams this season. And Andy doesn't BS, doesn't sugarcoat. He, he and the guy coached for, for Dockage, right? And, and Andy's been around a lot, of, a lot of basketball, does a great job when he hops on for, for state boys and girls. It's... Um, if he's telling if he's telling you the eye test is kind of wowing him, that's how I'm translating it, Elijah. Be excited, man. Yeah, be and, excited and enjoy tonight. And if he is correct, I, this is really far ahead to look. But if he's correct and Nebraska basketball goes dancing, are we taking the show on the road? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> as long as I'm allowed out of the freaking basement, we'll we'll, uh, we'll go wherever we need to go for for both of them. Uh, Tom Deanhart on the way. Uh, we'll talk Purdue Nebraska next on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. 
It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A deeper look at Purdue as uh, we talk to a publisher and editor of goldenblack.com. Tom Deanhart, uh, a guy who knows the Big Ten well, knows Purdue well. Tom, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to the ball game. It ought to be very interesting to see who can come out. You know, up. I know Nebraska's got some, some desperation. And Purdue's coming off its worst loss of the year, so it's going to be a, a lot of very fun storylines to watch. Tom, you're, you're right on about desperation and do you have a feel? I know we're midweek, but do you have a feel at all as to what what Purdue team will show up? And and in in all honesty, what is this Purdue team? Do you think they're closer to to Iowa v Purdue, or are they closer to the Wisconsin v Purdue? What's your read on this this football team? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, Chris. I'll say this: Wisconsin, they've got a legit defense. Uh, and it showed on Saturday against Purdue. Now, this is a Purdue offense that's very flawed. Um, really struggle to run the football. Don't get a consistent push in the ground game. They have to play multiple quarterbacks with the sole intent of hopefully sparking the ground game and getting some rushing yards out of their quarterbacks. And Wisconsin really sat on David Bell, and, and Purdue couldn't run. They couldn't find alternate receivers, and it turned out to be a 30-13 to 13 loss. Now, Iowa, for some reason, never adjusted their defense to David Bell. They kept letting him catch the ball, never pressed him, wanted to keep everything in front of him, and pretty burned him. So, long story short, um, i got to think Nebraska is going to be physical with Bell and try to take him away again. So, can Purdue find other targets to make Nebraska pay, and can it generate some type of, some semblance of a ground game to make Nebraska try to respect the Purdue to run to some degree? Tom Deanhart's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, you can find Tom on Twitter at Tom Deanhart1. And uh, editor covers Purdue football, uh, writer with goldandblack.com with uh, Yahoo and Rivals. So, Tom, let's flip it around. And you've seen a lot of Big Ten football. You've covered college football at a national level for a number of years. What's your take on, on Nebraska this year? What, what's your reaction to their season they're, they're near misses. They're near wins. You know, how do you ballpark the big red here in year four of Scott Frost? Yeah, they're close. I, what is it? I think five losses by eight points or less, I want to say. They're right there. It seems like they're on the precipice. Uh, they're not ready to win uh, the, the division or anywhere close to that. But um, I think most people thought they would take a step forward this year and be a bowl team for the first time. Since 2016, I can't believe I actually said that. It's been that long since that story program has been in the postseason. And, you know, I'm not telling your listeners anything they don't know. Four games left. This Purdue game at home is one they got to win because, what, they have Ohio State, Iowa, and I think Wisconsin left after that. So there's a lot of heavy lifting. they got to win three of those four to get bowl eligible. And, and again, um, I think as long as they keep Adrian Martinez healthy, and it sounds like he's healthy, after this off week, they have a chance to always be pretty good offensively. And defensively, I know they've had their issues getting in the quarterback, and they're not that great against the run either. So, again, a work in progress. I think fans are expecting more at this point, but 
certainly looks like a program that, uh, like I said, most people thought we'll at least get to six or seven wins, get the postseason, and, and that may be a real struggle at this point. Tom, as you look at, at the frost Brom dynamic, um, it's been interesting. Two guys that pride themselves on play calling and their, their offensive ingenuity. Uh, you've got the Adrian factor where he's been here 100 years, and, man, you're not in anything without him. But there's been some mistakes. Flip it around. The three-quarterback look for, for Brom you, you touched on here. What makes Brom special and difficult after a loss? It seems like he's pretty good at responding. Yeah, he's going to have to be Chris. Um, and that's uh, going to be a fascinating thing to watch, right? What's going to be his counterpunch? Coming off his 30-13 loss, um, you know, he's a play caller, and uh, he's got this, this three-quarterback system. And, again, I don't want to make too much of this because, really, Aiden, uh, Aiden O'Connell is the starter, and Aiden O'Connell still plays roughly 90% of the snaps. So it's not like Jack Plummer and Austin Burton are playing a significant number of snaps. Each usually plays less than 10 a game. So when they come in, they largely run the ball. But you know what, Chris? Everybody knows when they come in, they've got to run the ball. So what's, what's going to be the, the wrinkle off the wrinkle, if you will, uh, to, uh, to sort of take this, this quarterback, unique quarterback situation to another degree and add another twist to it? That's what's going to be fascinating to see. When we see Plummer and Burton finally throw the ball more, uh, so, again, that's something to keep your eye on. Something Jeff Brown's going to have to do. He's going to have to keep evolving this offense because you can't sign free agents. We all know that. So you got you to play the hand you're dealt. And that's why you get paid the big bucks, right, Chris? $5 million a year to come up with ideas, to cook up ideas, to, uh, to keep you know evolving your offense to make it effective. And that's a big challenge for Jeff Brown at this point. Tom Deanhart's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, longtime uh, Big Ten man goldenblack.com associate editor for uh, Purdue football here as uh, we talk Nebraska and the Boilermakers can Nebraska protect Adrian that's going to be a question I have Nebraska's gone against the who's who off the edge Uh, when you look at Oklahoma and Michigan State and Michigan and you've got Ohio State looming Carl Loftus is is big time Purdue's D's their front seven's really nice you know as you look at that matchup do you think the Boilers have a, an advantage Saturday with uh, with their pass rush, with what they do against the run, Tom? Are they going to be difficult for the Nebraska offense? Yeah, they'll pose issues, Chris, but, you know, they're just not that good protecting the passer either. And I know both these teams don't have great sack totals, but that's going to be a good matchup to watch which line can protect his quarterback the best. And and you're right about George Karloff, number five, a true junior from right here in West Lafayette, his high school was right in the shadow of Rossite Stadium. Um, if you believe these early draft Knicks, Chris, um, 2022 NFL draft for office will be a first-round draft choice. So, yeah, he, I'll tell you what, he brings it every down. Had a scooping score last week from 56 yards. And, uh, again, he's going to be a handful of whoever's trying to block him. He, and believe me, he, he's attracted a lot of double and triple trains this year. Now, if you can believe this, Chris, he's yet to draw a holding penalty this year. We also to get a kick out of that. A guy this prolific, the referees have still never seen him get held. And that's a real flag through seven games this year. So see if he gets a flag for the first time. But, again, he's special. And we'll see what the rest of this line can bring. Um, this defense, I know I know they gave up 30 points, almost 290 yards rushing last week. But I'll tell you what, it's still been the backbone of the team all year. And nobody expected that, Chris. Nobody thought this defense with an entirely new staff 
would be the strength of the team in 2021. But here we are. And again, um, last week the defense just got worn down. That was a 13 to 13 game at halftime. Purdue committed five turnovers. They kept throwing the defense back out there, and it finally went bust. Physical Wisconsin just finally finally ran it down their throat. So don't be too misled by the, the rushing yardage total last week for the Hus- for the Badgers. It's still a very good defense and the strength of the team. And uh, and then, like you talked about, Karloff, he's the real bellwether there. Keep your eye on number five off the edge. Tom Deanhart's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Tom, I want to get back to these last couple games for Purdue. Uh, a big win over Iowa and then a disappointing loss to Wisconsin. And the difference was turnovers. Purdue protected the ball well against Iowa, who's been known for taking the ball away this year. And then they, uh, they really were a turnover machine against Wisconsin. What, what was the difference in those two games? Uh, and what kind of ability to protect the ball do you expect from Purdue coming into Nebraska this weekend? Yeah, you know, they got to throw the ball downfield. And we know anytime you throw, you're, you're taking chances. And Often, you know, the Badgers had timely blitzes. And I tell you what, their linebackers, Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, are special. And they came unblocked a few times. But what Wisconsin did a lot was they only rushed three and they would drop eight. And they typically had two guys around David Bell. And, and Aiden O'Connell really forced some passes. Three interceptions, it was bad. All three were bad. Most interceptions are bad, but the routes were jumped. He overthrew a guy badly another time. Jeff Robb's got to live with it. You know, he just hopes, he just hopes O'Connor doesn't force too many passes. They've got to push the ball downfield. That's the only way they can really consistently move it. Most teams take away the deep ball. They're not going to let Purdue beat them over the top. So O'Connor's got to be a little bit more patient and take stuff underneath. So maybe players can make some yards after the catch. So, again, credit that Badger defense by and large. The way they played, the way they took away Bell. And I'll tell you what, too, guys, with David Bell getting that type of attention, other receivers for Purdue needed to step up, and it didn't happen. Their tight end was the guy who stepped up last week. Payne Durham caught nine passes. But they need guys like Milton Wright, T.J. Sheffield, and Brock Thompson to step up. If, if you guys are going to double-team David Bell, somebody else is getting single-covered. That somebody's got to be found. That somebody's got to get open and catch the ball. Tom Dean Hart's with us, previewing Purdue, Nebraska. It'll be great to see Tom Dean Hart. Back in Memorial Stadium, man. Uh, it'll be good to, <laughs> to get this thing going. And the, the games have always been fascinating between Nebraska and Purdue. And, and Purdue's had Nebraska's number. Nebraska able to get pressure a year ago and get after the quarterback. And one of the, the more impressive wins for the Big Red in the Frost era a year ago. Tom, I'm asking you about this Purdue unit as a whole. You've got Iowa, you have Wisconsin, now you have Nebraska. Man, that's, that's a consecutive stack of, of muscle, right, <laughs> to, between, with some physical football teams. How's Purdue holding up? How do you think they're doing physically going into this? And the Big Ten's uh, notorious for really not caring. You're going to play a murderous schedule, everyone's going to get some, and you're just going to have to deal with it in the Big Ten. How's Purdue feeling coming into this? You know, what a physical conference. You know, before that run, they played Minnesota, which is a very physical team, too, as you guys know. You guys just played the Gophers, and they had Minnesota, then they had the Ross Week, then Iowa, then Wisconsin, now Nebraska. So, yeah, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, right? From a health standpoint, Purdue's in about as good a shape as they could hope for as we get toward November, guys. Um, they've been without their number one running back, Xander Horvath, almost the entire season. He uh, broke his left fibula. In game number two at Connecticut way back on September 11th, Jeff Brown was, quote, not optimistic that Horvath would be back. That's too bad. Um, Purdue, really, guys, they have one scholarship running back. 
And then that's what necessitates the use of these quarterbacks as runners to try to help that augment that ground game. So that's, that's the biggest guy they're going to be missing offensively. Um, a couple guys you said are banged up on the O-line, but I think they're going to end up playing Greg Long and Tyler Witt. Defensively, fellas, without his best cornerback, Corey Price, he's missed most of the year. He has his, his knee injury. He's done. But uh, the guy who's come in for him, Jamari Brown, has done a pretty good job. So otherwise, that defense is, is fairly healthy. Now, they're one of their other ends, Demarcus Mitchell plays a Leo spot like a hybrid end linebacker. He's hardly played this year. Problem doesn't think he's going to play sadly, so that may not be that big of a loss. So again, long story short, they're pretty healthy as they're hitting home stretch of the season. Their guys, they're going to need all hands on deck to try to come out of Lincoln there with a win. Tom Deanhart. Tom, great perspective. We'll see you this weekend. Thanks for making time. Thanks for having me, fellas. Take care. Look forward to it. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how are you? Doing good, doing good. How about yourself? Hanging in. <laughs> Hanging in, excited to get out of quarantine tomorrow. So, <laughs> you take care I'm, of yourself. I'm going nuts, Dr. Ben. <laughs> I understand, I understand. Let's uh, dive into uh, the Fall Classic World Series last night. And uh, what a performance by Charlie Morton. Old Chuck took a 102-mile-per-hour shot off of his right fibula and then said, you know what, I'm going to pretend I'm John Wayne for Halloween and face three more batters. (laughs) Dr. Ben, touch on this pain tolerance the legendary Charlie Morton must have. Well, I mean, anytime you break a bone, if everybody's ever broke a bone, that is a significant amount of pain, especially, you know, after you break it, you bleed inside internally, and that causes a tremendous amount of pain as it is. Um, so, you know, that's that's almost some dumb strength there for him to be able to push through and just continue playing with it. Well, let's talk about the injury. He just physically couldn't keep going. His, his leg gave out, and... You, you see pitchers a lot of times react on the hill and they'll make a great, great grab. You've seen it go the other way where there's unfortunately been some line drives off the noggin or you've been grazed. And are you surprised that it's not worse, than, not, not that it's not bad, a, a broken right fibula is no good, but could it, could it have been worse with, with that type of velocity, the exit velocity coming off the bat? I mean, you think about any time that a ball comes at you. I mean, it could be catastrophic. You can get hit in the face. You can have orbital fractures. um, You can hit your elbow. You could hit your throwing arm. Um, I mean, really, the possibilities are endless if that ball hits you specifically in a certain spot. And so um, not that his injury is good or bad, you know, but, yeah, it certainly could have been worse. And I, I remember even when I was pitching as a kid in Little Tykes baseball, that's always your biggest concern is a line drive coming right at you. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. Now, Dr. Ben, between innings, the, the x-ray machine at the stadium snapped an image of Morton's leg, and the diagnosis was no break, but it, it hurt, so they, they did some more tests, obviously. The discomfort didn't stop, 
and he, he still went out the, the next inning. He came out for the third, but uh, it, it, it continued to, to be uncomfortable and, and painful. You know, when we talk about the break, what is the, the process next for, for Charlie to heal? And when it comes to, to you and, and other uh, folks, is there a surgical intervention needed or is it more of, of a set, set up where you cast and let it heal? How do you treat this? So a lot of that depends on where the actual break is um, in the lower leg. And so there's certainly areas that there's a non-displaced fracture in simple terms, meaning the, the bone has not shifted at all, that, you know, you don't have to do surgery on in a lot of situations like that. You know, the other alternative, depending on the mechanism, if you actually break the lower leg and the bone actually shifts and it actually moves, there's a lot of indications where you actually have to go in and surgically fix those. So a lot of it just depends on the actual fracture type, where the location is. You know, if it is something that does not have a large amount of displacement or basically movement, then that's something where you can immobilize the lower leg. Um, you can actually do some non-weight-bearing type of activities and allow it to heal in like a cast. And so, um, you know, that's best-case scenario. We're talking about Charlie Morton, pitcher for Atlanta, took a line shot off of uh, his right leg busted his right fibula and still pitched to three more batters. So with with this, uh, when we talk about Charlie getting back at it in spring training, is this going to be an issue of, of, of strength? He still hits upper 90s on the gun. He's 37. Atlanta said, we like uh, your giddy-up, so here's a $15 million deal. It's a one-year. But... When it comes to his wind-up, his motion, and then also the stretch, is there potential lingering issues with that with that plant leg, that right leg that he pushes off the rubber with? Yeah, that's always the concern. Um, the nice thing about bony type of injuries is that once that bone actually heals, though, a lot of times that bone can come back as strong or even stronger because the body will kind of lay down bone on top of that, um, and it really, really provides kind of a good structure and support system for, for playing off like that. His biggest issue is is that as he's not doing activities, you know, he's going to get weaker and he's going to have to get into rehab and basically do a lot of other strengthening type activities to get that strength back that he had before. And so it's not necessarily that the bone is not going to be as strong and not supportive. It's going to be the surrounding tissues that he's going to have to kind of recondition to be able to do the things that he's always done. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Charlie Morton of Atlanta, our topic today. Dr. Ben, what are some of the 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 the, the rehab and the the strength training you just kind of hinted at that he'll need to get into? What what are some some uh, some exercises, some training regiments that he'll need to, to dive back into? Well, once he's able to basically get the all clear that everything is healed and that the bone is stable for him to start doing those types of things, it'll be kind of baby steps. You know, he'll gradually get back into the weight bearing. He'll gradually get back into the jogging and then do more of the like sports specific type of uh, training, you know, for him, lower extremity and strengthening that lower extremity is going to be high on the priority list. And as he gets the green light, you know, he's going to be able to go back, um, 
you know, not full a full bore, but it's going to be baby steps to where he gets that strength back and then goes from one level to the next. You know, the nice thing for him is his healing capacity is high. He's young, he's healthy. Um, and so he's going to have a lot of things going for him to where he's going to be able to get back to 100%, you know, sooner than a lot of people. Dr. Ben, is is this one of the more difficult injuries to, to navigate? Have you seen folks come all the way back from it, or is it – is it one of those that folks more times than not are able to recover from? You know, I think he'll be able to recover from this. You know, all of these injuries are devastating in the sense that it keeps them out of sports. Um, sometimes the ones that can be a little bit more problematic, though, is if they actually break and the fractures go into their joint or, you know, you have secondary types of ligamentous injuries. Um, you know, then those are things that take some additional healing um, but you know, as long as he, as long as he heals this, he should get back to a full recovery, and hopefully, he's back to where he was at his baseline before the injury. Well, pretty remarkable. Charlie Morton throwing ten pitches on a broken leg, set down for a half inning, through six more pitches, and his last two, ninety-six mile per hour, eighty mile per hour curveball strikes to get Altuve out. Uh, Sixteen pitch, pitches. Throwing off a broken leg, Dr. Dr. Ben, that's a wow moment. It's amazing, and that's why these guys compete at the level that they do, isn't it? It is. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday, Atlanta pitcher Charlie Morton in that uh, broken right fibula as he was able to gut it out uh, for uh, one more inning on the mound. Dr. Ben, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks a lot, Chris. Take care of yourself, okay? Will do. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time with Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Big thanks to our guest today, Mike Leach, the pirate with us, got us kicked off at four. And Elijah will have some more of that uh, on the two-minute drill here on ESPN Lincoln Twitter. And uh, the full interview, ESPNLincoln.com, and also on uh, Twitter. Mike Babcock and Mike Shuhart, incredible. Tom Deanhart, phenomenal on Purdue. And uh, the Pride Ord, Andy Markowski, with us to preview Nebraska men's basketball. Some thoughts on the women's team as well. And Andy's real high on uh, the Big Red, both men's and women's, for maybe getting fit for some dancing shoes. So going to want to hear those. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Gary Barnett with us. Brandon Vogel will join us. The Pride of Chicago's Danny Burke with Burke's Best bets from Beeson Sports Network. And then our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles, with us to talk Nebraska-Purdue. Let's hear a little bit more from Trev Alberts and his sit-down last night with the network, uh, specifically what he was seeing this week at practice uh, as uh, a lot of ones-on-ones, which was good as Nebraska's trying to to gear up for the Boilermakers. Here's Trev. Try, I try to get to practice as much as I can. You know, it's a this is a fairly ambitious job, <laughs> uh-huh. especially since Chancellor Green has me uh, <laughs> this crazy title of Vice Chancellor. I also have some uh, duties across campus, but uh, you know, I don't get out there as much as I'd like. I try to stop in a couple times a week, and even if it's just for a half an hour, and 
and um, um, just get a sense. Some days it's, uh, you know, no pads. It's hard to see a lot. Uh, some days it's full pads. And so just trying to get a sense for, you know, how positive uh, the team is and our coaching staff. And uh, I'll tell you the one thing I'm, I'm really proud of is how hard uh, these young men are working and, um, and, and staying together. And I think it's a big part of it. It really, really matters to them. Uh, and that really matters to me in terms of where the, you know, the, the mental, um, the culturally, uh, you know, the culture is in terms of the mental aspect and makeup of our football team and where the leadership is. And uh, I think they're fairly unified and uh, working hard together. And that means a lot. Real quick from Trev, a facility update. Uh, how are things going with the new building, the new digs and uh, the expansion? Uh, as of right now, we're on time, on budget, um, haven't downsized uh, the project. Fundraising continues to go very well. Uh, we're not quite to our entire goal, but we initially had to phase, you know, phase one and phase two of the Go Big project. And uh, while I don't want to get out in front of my skis too far, uh, confident that we're going to be doing the entire project all at once um, based on, on how our fundraising has gone. Uh, there still are some processes in the approval, and we'll be working with Chancellor Green and, and of course, the Board of Regents. But I um, feel really positive that we're going to be able. And one of the things that was really important to Scott and our coaches is that uh, we wanted to open a project that not only benefits our football team, but all of our student athletes. And uh, by, by being able to execute phase two at the same time or in the same process as we're building the Go Big project, um, um, uh, our hope is and, and our thinking is we're going to be able to do that. And I think that's really, really important. Trev Alberts on the network uh, yesterday. Back at you tomorrow in studio. Thank goodness. Elijah Herbal, you're awesome. Thanks so much. And uh, check out everything, uh, the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Subscribe, Hail Bar City Radio. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.